Hey, this is Barbara Corcoran. You are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is presented by AT&T Business. Our guest today is someone who has mastered the art of telling it like it is, Leah McSweeney, also known as Leah Mob. You probably know her best from The Real Housewives of New York. Leah was raised in New York City and says as a teen, she put her parents through hell and back. When she was expelled from Catholic school, she also spent months in rehab and was arrested for throwing a bottle at a cop. She turned her misfortune into cash, using a settlement payment from the NYPD to grow a women's streetwear brand. Named it Married to the Mob, of course. On Bravo's Real Housewives of New York, Leah has made more waves in her first season than all the housewives in the 11 seasons before. She's proven herself as one of the most likable and entertaining women on the show. And today, we're covering it all. Her business, her family, and her newfound stardom. Well, welcome, Leah McIntosh. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Barbara. Wait a second. <laughs> well, welcome, Leah McSweeney. <laughs> Wait, I thought that you said the McIntosh thing. As a joke? Uh, yes. Well, it is McIntosh, it's, isn't it? No, it's good. McSorley, oh, Mac. I mean, I get all these different, you know, people constantly call me Mick different things. Oh, well, I, so. got you, I got your first name right. That's good yes. enough, right? Yeah. That's no, great. I was kidding with you, but you responded so nicely. <laughs> My very first question, I was going to start with how did you grow up in that? We'll get to that. But I want to know, after your first season on Housewives, you were able to triple your salary. What's a good strategy that women can use to get what they want? I think that um, it's not really about outside help. It's more about being able to walk away. Were you really not afraid of walking away? Or was that a, is that an act? Do you need to know how to act that? Or do you need to really know that you have to feel it and mean it? Look, you know, I, you know, those weren't lies like in the press. Like I was Uh willing to walk away, not because, you know, I had a great first season and I'm like, if this is what my... My Roni experience was and takeaway is I'm fine. I'm great with it. I'm very happy with it, you know, but I'm actually a little more. I shouldn't even be admitting this because I'm going to have to be negotiating again, I think. (laughs) But, you know, I actually feel a little bit more invested after this season, Mm. I have to say. Um, It has nothing to do with money. Nothing to do with money. It has to do with like my heart Mm -hmm. and the season that we just filmed Mm -hmm. and, you know, the topics that we covered how deep into my life I let people see and the things that I talked about and the things that I was going through. Having Ebony on the show is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like she's like my partner in crime, you know? Is it because she's new or she's a like spirit? Like spirited, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So, you know, I do feel a little bit more invested now than I did, I think, after one season. After one, you know, it's like, okay, well, but now I feel even closer to the women. Mm -hmm. I feel just more engaged Mm -hmm. with it. When I was in my first season uh, of Shark Tank, and you know my good buddy, Damon, you worked with him for years, um, I didn't feel vested. I felt frightened. I would say that would be the words. Season two, I felt, again, frightened. Mm. By season three, I realized I was a member of a family. And somehow, when you get comfortable 
like just feeling like these are my buds on this show. Yes. Uh, I would have been devastated if they had not renewed my contract. Right. And I would not have played hardball like I could walk away because in my heart, I honestly couldn't have acted it out. I, I was too vested. Right. But you're a better game player than Well, I no, am. but now, but I have to say, and I again, I shouldn't be admitting this, but I do feel, I know what you mean. Because mm-hmm. now I do feel even closer with the women. They're my buddies. It's like, mm-hmm. I miss them. I want to yes. see them again. I want to yeah. film with them again. Yeah. You know, I want us to be doing dumb shit together again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have a thing to worry about. I don't think anybody's worried about your position in the show. I think myself, myself, okay, that's a, one opinion. <laughs> but from the peer group that I talk with, you're everybody's favorite, the, the Producers must know that. They must survey people, say, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Don't you think that happens? You know, I don't know how they do it. Like, because for instance, um, you know, I, there are some women on the show who aren't everyone's favorite, but they're good for the show and they Mm -hmm. bring something that we need. So, you know, I'm not worried about, you know, not doing the show or doing the show. Like I said, I am invested in it, but, um. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Can't wait to see the new season. It's really, really good. The, the teaser for it is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. What a cliffhanger, especially the last scene. You haven't seen it. Well, you've seen it. Sure. Yeah. So a bunch of times. Okay. So fame brings a lot of good stuff. It gives you a lot of access. I imagine you'll be using the show to build your new business. We'll get to that in a minute. But is there any downside to the fame? Is there anything that gets stolen from you in an emotional way or your day-to-day living or with regard to your daughter or yeah. anything like that? Oh, yeah. Like what? Um... I mean, just to have strangers, like, be in your personal business and think that they get to have a say or an opinion mm-hmm. or that they, they think you should be acting a certain way or, you know, um, voting a certain way or mm-hmm. um, believing certain things or whatever. Just they think that they own you sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? It's, like, really weird. Like, I just get these messages. I'm like, how could you even ask me such a personal thing or like how could you think that you know um like for instance i i put up something about andrew yang who Mm -hmm. i really love for mayor um and you know people like oh my god like some people obviously some people are happy because some people like him but then of course there's some people that don't like him and they're like how could you like this now it's like are you kidding me like you're not right like i'm a traitor to them like well now i'm not your fan anymore it's like Mm -hmm. go f yourself Mm -hmm. like do you think i'm gonna change who i am just so you like me like Mm -hmm. this is the whole thing like the reason you like me to begin with is because like i am who i am Mm. and now you want me to fall in line and follow what you believe Mm. so you like keep liking me i don't know it's very weird and then of course you know my daughter is not on the show much this season Mm -hmm. um i don't really put her on my instagram anymore it's just you know too much yeah why is it too much like for her she feels like she's too much in the limelight or she doesn't want it Mm. and i'm gonna respect her privacy Mm. you know and her boundaries and i'm also you know she she's like mom it's your thing Mm. like this isn't my thing it's your thing like Mm -hmm. she's a kid you know and some kids some of the housewives or other people on tv reality tv like their kids want to be on the shows and they they do right and they love it and that's great but my daughter just doesn't yeah and she's great on the show so for you she is if i was the mom are you sure think about well i kind of i did i was like are you sure kiki and she's like yeah Mm." Yeah. you You know know, i have a daughter who's 14 kate so they're similar they were year apart i guess right and uh, Katie always says to me, uh, I was born the year you got on Shark Tank. She says, I've never had a mom who wasn't on Shark Tank, which is kind of weird. It's kind of weird for me to think right. about that. Uh, but 
but it complicates things for kids, I find. I mean, yeah. my kid's pretty solid, or I, th I think she is. Every mother thinks the kid is great, right? That's true. Uh, but she, <laughs> sure uh, she I remember though. last year she came home and dropped two friends. And I said to her, I thought they were part of your little group. And she says, no, it took me a while to realize they only like me because of you. And I, that's kind of a weird thing. I don't think she was reading into a situation, but I think it can get complicated for kids that they're like in your parameter. Yeah. You know? So my daughter, you know, she's like, I don't want you to follow me on Instagram. Mm. Um, you could follow me from your clothing line Instagram, but oh. don't follow me from your personal Instagram because like, I don't want everyone to see your Instagram. You know, she wants her own oh. identity. Like, oh, and I totally right. understand. I'm yeah. kind of, you know, a lot yeah. or whatever. Do you and... want me to talk to her? <laughs> Actually, maybe. No, 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 no. I'm sure you should. Believe me, I tried to bribe her. I tried to do everything. I'm like, can you just come on this time and that time? I'm like, you know, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to fight with her anymore or argue with her. It's like, I, I respect it. Of course. Yeah. So I understand why people would get bent out of shape over politics. I get it because it's always black or white. We've come through a couple of years of, of polarization. Yeah. Uh, but what I find surprising to hear you say is that uh, you feel that people intrude on your private life. If there was going to be one word I would describe you, I'm not sure if this has even been invented. It's beyond open. It's beyond raw. It's beyond out there. Tell it like it is. All those things are part of it. Yeah. But whatever this new word, uh, maybe we'll call it a Leah. Maybe we'll name maybe it after we'll you. We'll call it Leah. But yeah. with all of that openness, you would let everything hang out there. Why would somebody emailing you or commenting or feeling like they're part of your private life surprise you? I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Because when I'm, you know, filming and I'm being so, I'm just showing it all or whatever, mm -hmm. I guess um, there I'm doing my job. I'm mm -hmm. not withholding anything. And then I feel like, okay, I just showed you everything. This is what I wanted you to know. And now I closed the door. Yeah. Kind of thing. And like That's now fair. I don't care about your opinions mm -hmm. about it. Like mm -hmm. I do, of course, everyone does. Like I, you know, I care, but I can't, I can't, I'm not changing anything for anyone. Yeah. Well, I think if you have any note of, any note of notoriety, you become public property. That's my opinion. Yes. And people are entitled to public property. You're yeah. part of it. You know, That's that true. Thing. Well, I guess you'll get used to it eventually because yeah. it ain't going to change, I don't think. As your star rises and shines shines more, I mean, I would think you're going to get tons more of it. Much I know. More. Okay. So now let's go back to, if you don't mind, where you were born and raised in New York City. I did. We moved to Connecticut when I was 14, so I mm -hmm. did live in the suburbs and went to a suburban high school, so I got to experience that. But aside from that, it's been New York City. So give me a snapshot of what your childhood was like. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up on 24th Street and 8th Avenue. Wow. It was the 80s and yeah. early 90s. It's a choppy neighborhood. Oh, my God. It was just yeah. like there were you could go outside and there were drag queens walking around. It was like Chelsea in its like peak, most yeah. amazing crazy raw gritty time you know mm -hmm. and i just didn't know anything else right until i moved to connecticut of course and i was like oh my god new york is really the best i already thought that but once oh, i never went for a minute thought connecticut was great with the lawns and the white fences and the pretty houses yeah no no not at all definitely not like we the day that my parents didn't even show us the house we were moving to they're just like we're moving there and then when we got there they were like here's the two dollar movie theater here's the flagpole like these are the big things in the town like and, like, they bought this, like, the house I didn't like at the time. Now I appreciate it because it's, like, an old barn. So at the time I was just like, this is gross. Like, this is like, looks like where horses live, you know. And now I think it's beautiful. But I didn't like it at all. But growing up in the city, it was very cool. 
Um, I went to school in the Upper East Side, so I got a taste of, you know, I was very exposed to all different lifestyles and people, mm -hmm. and it was, it's a gift to grow up that way. It really is. Mm -hmm. How did you go over? Were you popular in Connecticut when you moved there with so, the rest of the crowd? I think that I was like, I was definitely, you know, the new weird girl from New York, but I make friends. I'm able to connect with all different kinds of people. Like I can always find something in common with people. So I did make friends. It's never hard for me to make friends. Um, but I always felt different. I always felt different in New York too, though, because I felt like, you know, I was growing up downtown on 24th Street. And then I was the only girl who lived down there who went to the school on the Upper East Side. And then I felt chronically just like different. I mean, I'm still friends with the girls from my class and the mm -hmm. girls were super cool. It's not like I felt, you know, I wasn't like, didn't feel um, different with them. It was just, it was a world that I hadn't, didn't under, wasn't from, you know? So, so different. The Upper East Side to the 20s in those days was like, that you couldn't even call them the same city. A different world. It yeah. was really a different world. Um, but in Connecticut, I made friends and, um, you know, I just never really found my footing there, though. That's uh -huh. why I just escaped back to New York as much as possible. <laughs> and um, you had such a tough, uh, well, I shouldn't say you had a tough teenage years. Your parents my mother, had tough... Yes, my parents had very tough. I actually had pretty fun teenage years. You yeah. know, that was the problem. I was having too much fun. Yeah. My parents, I... Yeah, I feel bad for them. And you got thrown out of the Catholic school? I got thrown out of the Catholic school. I got expelled. Um, and your parents put you in a rehab place or So something? they did. They well, yeah. so we got I got thrown out of Sacred Heart here and that's yeah. when we moved to Connecticut. Mm. And then in Connecticut they there was a couple rehabs mm -hmm. because my mother's a therapist. So it was oh, a, God. yeah, so it was definitely like you know, I was very honest with her too cuz I was a huge raver. Mm. Very mm. into clubs, raves, all of that. And I was honest, like, yeah, I did acid yesterday. <laughs> like, I'm still tripping on acid. Oh, I mean, God, you poor And mother. she was like, you're 14 years old, Leah. You know, I'm like, whatever, this is fun. And um, there was a couple rehab stints in high school. But then they were, they were like, you're not coming home. Mm -hmm. And we found a place for you to live that's run by nuns. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. It was wild. Yeah, you must have been great with the nuns. <laughs> They're still talking about you, I'm sure. The ones at Sacred Heart and at the, the I'm rehab. I'm sure. They, they, they talk at night. Yeah. Wow. And then you had a, 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 a kind of a fight or something with the cops where you yeah. threw something at them because they pushed you to the ground. Tell me about that. Not many people have that experience. And then you're arrested. And I got to ask how it feels to be arrested. Yeah, I yeah. will tell you. Um so I was... I'm sure you will tell me. I, was, I have no doubt in my yeah. mind. <laughs> I, anything you want to know, I'll tell you. I know. Um, yes. So I was at Hammerstein Ballroom for a concert in, um, that's on 34th and, and 8th Avenue. And um, I'd been, uh, it had been let out. And so there were lots of people on the and street. you were how old at the time? I think I was 20 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. Old enough to be arrested. Old enough to definitely be arrested. Um and I was, like, making out with my boyfriend and saying goodbye to him. And all of a sudden, he was, like, pushed away from me. And I mm -hmm. opened my eyes, and he was getting beat up by, like, five cops mm -hmm. for nothing. What literally nothing. They were just, like, angry. I guess, like, they had been telling people, like, get out of the street, clear the street out. Like, they were just mm -hmm. angry, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and I had a half-empty water bottle mm -hmm. in my hand. And I really didn't think too much. I just threw it in that mm -hmm. direction. And it hit one of the cops in the back. He turned around. He just totally hit me with wow. 
a right hand, I think. It was a right. And then I just, I twirled and like, boom, landed on the subway grates. Mm-hmm. And I felt so much weight on top of me. Like there were like four cops on my back and I had my hair in a half ponytail and he slammed my face into the subway grates three times and was like, don't fuck with me ever again, you little bitch. This is what happens. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then they arrested you. And then I was arrested. Like you were the bad guy. Yeah. And it was the 4th of July, which was kind of ironic because I was like, it's fucking Independence Day and I'm locked up right now. You know, it was a whole, it was a mess. I mean, it was really a mess, but someone had called 911 while I was getting really beat up by the cops. And when that happens, the Civilian Complaint Review Board gets alerted. So they contacted wow. me. And that's when I knew wow. I was like, okay, I should probably, like, get a lawyer or something, you know. That's how it started, yeah. Mm. Um, and and this, this was the day before cell phones, right? Nobody was filming it? No one was filming it. Yeah, too bad. We, we had regular little yeah, cell little. phones at the time, little Nokias. Um, so, yeah, it mm-hmm. felt pretty shitty to be arrested. But you got even, right? You won the lawsuit. Even, I won the lawsuit. And I used and the money. tell me what you do with the money. Yeah. That I, is, I have to respect you for that, considering how young you were. You were still how old at the time? Um, when I, you won the lawsuit? 22. Just the next year? Yeah. 23. Remarkable. I won. I won the $75,000, which, you know, I mean, that is a lot of, that's a lot of money. Um, and I had already started the brand. Oh, you had? I had started the brand, but mm-hmm. I used that money to buy a computer, um, I quit my retail job so I could spend all the time putting my time into the company. You know, mm-hmm. it was very hard working and then also running sure. the business yep. and everything. Well, sometimes so, you get more done that way, but after a while, you, it, something's got to give. That's ex- how it goes, Exactly. You know? And I also yeah. bought, <laughs> I went to Barney's <laughs> and I bought two Goyard bags. I bought... Now we're talking. Okay. I bought a big maroon duffel bag mm-hmm. and I bought the little, the hobo bag in black. And I felt so guilty about spending that much money that I had just won because, yeah. you know, I should be spending it on. So I returned the duffel bag and no. I kept the hobo bag. <laughs> but you didn't return the business. You I did not return business. married to the mob. Exactly. Um, and I bought Goyard bags in the future when I had, you know, made more money. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. You returned to that ballroom for your first episode of Housewives, right? Oh my God, How yes. Thank you for reminding me. I yeah. for no for for BravoCon. It was oh, that Hammerstein ballroom. Yes. yes. And what were you thinking as you walked in? Like, Whoa, baby! <laughs> yeah, what was in that? Yeah, it was a good feeling. It was definitely a good feeling. Well, the the uh, the other ironic thing is that my therapist that I saw for years and years was in the one of the New Yorker hotel, which is like right around the corner. So I'd have to walk over the subway grates that my head got smashed into wow. every like Wednesday, you know? And so, but going into the hammer scene and being like, okay, wow, this is like a new chapter of my life. This is a huge accomplishment. And I'm here because I already had so many great accomplishments. You know, it felt really good. I felt like, okay, I'm, I didn't fuck everything up. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think most kids would have gone out. I would have gone out and bought a fancy car or something right away. Do you have to pay taxes when you win something like that, by the way? Yeah, I think probably. I mean, I had to give a percentage to also my lawyer, you know? Well, that's, of course. Yeah. But I just wonder if you sure. give most of it away in taxes. All right. Never, yeah. never really asked. Never won anything like that at <laughs> price. What made you think there was room for a female... You had to realize that was a male-dominated business, selling to men, run by yeah. men. And well, then what was your worst obstacle walking in the shoes of a lady going into a man's business? 
So, you know, I think that like there had been these brands before streetwear like FUBU and mm-hmm. Sean John and Fat Farm and Baby Fat, right? Mm-hmm. Which I was a huge Baby Fat fan. Um, and those brands, like everything, everything has its peak and then comes down and the new brands like, you know. But they're all male, I think. Each of those brands. Those were all male except yeah. Baby Fat. Oh. So, and, and a lot of those brands had an offshoot of the woman's, you know, but never from a woman's perspective because it was always like, oh, this is our female version of this male brand we already started. Right. Um, So everyone and I'm talking from all over the world was watching what was going on in downtown New York. Mm. And everywhere, um, everyone in the industry, everyone in the industry. Was that brands outside of streetwear? Was it affecting other premium brands? Not yet. Not yet. Um, Because it was so early on. Mm -hmm. But it was a very niche little market, but it was kind of powerful, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, feels to me like the beginning of hip hop. Right, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Kind of a, yeah. Yes, it was. It was the beginning of streetwear, and um, you know, I guess other brands like Nike was watching what brands were doing and stuff like that. So I guess it was people. They it, other brands were watching big brands like that, and um, you know, I said, okay, well, I'm wearing all these guy brands. These are my friends too, and I, and I really wanted to travel. I had traveled a little to Europe once, and I was obsessed, mm-hmm. obsessed. Paris obsessed with Copenhagen I'm like I have to go back I'm like how am I going to ever afford to do this and I'm like Mm. I'm starting I'm going to start a streetwear brand because all these guys are traveling and people are sending them to these other places for free they're getting free trips so honestly I was like I'm starting a brand because I want to travel yeah and um but the fact that there weren't there wasn't a female perspective I'm like well I have a good chance at at making this happen because there's no one else doing it right I'm now. I'm going to pause you there because most entrepreneurs that I deal with, talk with, they interpret that entirely opposite. They say, well, there's nothing really out there like that, so there's probably a lot of reasons against it. Whereas you said, hey, there's a vacuum here. There's a hole. I'm going to fill it. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's not interesting. It's to your great credit that you didn't hesitate to actually say, well, why ain't there anything out here for bad reasons? You know? Right. But there you went. You went charging off to get free trips. <laughs> charging off to get free trips really yeah. I didn't think any you know look it's not like I had a business plan I hadn't like gone to college I hadn't you know um I just but I did I you know wasn't like I wasn't a dummy so oh I could tell yeah that. so um and it just you know what it hit at the right time right place right moment and I worked my fucking ass off on top of that. But also, it was a little bit of luck. A little bit, because... Little luck, of course. Little, of course. But, you know, I didn't have to I didn't have to hire a salesperson. All the stores were begging to have mm. the brand in their stores. How did that happen? I find there's always triggers that turn the tide on something like that. So, I had um, a friend who worked at a store called Union in mm-hmm. New York City. I remember. Yes. And, um, you know, there are certain boutiques, once your stuff is there all other stores are watching who they're carrying, oh, right? I didn't know that. Yes. So mm-hmm. once you're in a store like that, then all these other stores want to carry you. And that's kind of, it was like a chain reaction. Mm-hmm. And then the one of the biggest moments was Colette in Paris mm-hmm. reaching out and wanting to carry. And they were, you know, a huge, like, kind of creative partner for me for many years that, um, and Sarah from, from Colette, um, Colette's daughter, who really, like, ran a lot of the operations, she really was a huge played a huge role in like mom's she just success. got you and she thought i'm gonna hook myself into this lady well it was funny because she emailed me and there was obviously like a language barrier but she was like send me your line sheets i said them and then she wrote this is quite trash actually no but i will take some at wholesale cost for my friends and i was like no 
No, actually, I'm not selling you a couple. Good for you. But then when we find, then she goes, okay, I'll buy them for the store. But then what she meant was like not like her version of trash. She just meant edgy. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, it said like I wouldn't have guessed that. Right, well, know. once we talked about it, then I was like, wow, you're a bitch, you know. Yeah. And she's like, no, like it's just you know because it's cursing and it's edgy. I'm like, oh, that's what trash is. But you know what? Again, your negotiating ability and your optimism came to the fore. I mean, a lot of people would have said. Fuck you and close the door and go on. But right. you didn't. You negotiated hard and got the deal anyway. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that was a key thing to send your uh, brand to the moon and back. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was like a huge, huge mm-hmm. move. And for... how long did you work together? Probably until I did my deal with ah. the FUBU guys. Yeah. Um, you know, why would you switch? It was a switch, right? Yeah, because, you know, to a certain point, it's like, okay, it's great being cool, but, like, I really want to make money. Yeah. And sometimes you have to, yeah. you know, sacrifice a little of something else. First. And also you knew you were cool. By then you were sure. Yeah, you were cool, exactly. Right? And it's like, okay, you know, I, I have Colette who's, you know, definitely hooking me up with these amazing projects like Reebok and MCM and things like this, but I know I'm still going to be able to get all those amazing pro- projects. And, you know, she advised me against doing the deal. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm like, you know, I, I want to sell more than 10 T-shirts to, to, to a store, you know, mm. and, and all the little boutiques I was in, they can only sell so much. Plus, women's streetwear on top of it was a much smaller, smaller market than men's. Mm. I mean, way smaller. Yeah, I'm sure. You have over 100 retailers now, don't you? Mm. Actually, right now, I only sell on my website. Oh, you And I sell only on sell website. to, I sell to Zoomies, which they mm-hmm. do have like 300 stores, but I'm not in all three, 300 of them. Mm-hmm. And I do direct to consumer only. Are they now still stores that are harbingers of great things to come that if you see who they're carrying, you know what the next brand is? Or is that oh, thing of the past? Just, I think it's a thing of the past. Thing of the past. It's yeah. just, yeah, everything is online. Mm-hmm. It's and so how, different. How about your collaborations? What is that like? What do you get out of that? Because I honestly don't understand that. How do you choose a collaborator? Or do they come to you and say, come on, come on, we want to do something? Uh, and how do you know what's a good move and a bad move? So... That's yeah. Okay. So both like mm-hmm. I'm both ways. Like sometimes I've reached out to someone and sometimes they've reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is more successful. It doesn't, it, it doesn't depend. Matter. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, and in terms of knowing, you know, sometimes like someone will want to work with me in the past. Someone's want people have wanted to work with me and, you know, I was very selective about what brands I worked with. Um, Good idea. I think. Yeah. And sometimes I did a project with someone for very little money because of just the status of the brand or the um, the exposure that it would bring mm-hmm. or just the alignment of my brand with theirs. And then other brands I worked with and because it was a great financial mm-hmm. um, opportunity. Yeah. So and did it always pay off when you made the choices for money reasons? It, did it pay off? Or that, did you? Oh, that's actually a good question. I think there was one project. I'm not going to say what I could have done without, yeah. but I needed to check. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also like I still, it still was fine. Like nothing ever hurt the brand. There was mm. no project I ever did where it was like, Oh God, you shouldn't have done that. Never. Well, I think you could have made choices that could really hurt the brand. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people do in your business. I think you just had good judgment as to who you chose. Yeah. What do you right. think is a key? Uh, well, I hate when people try to narrow me down, but I'll narrow <sighs> you down anyway. What do you think is the key thing in a great partner? Anything that resonates with you, say, ah, I've been here before, I'll go there. 
Any, or in terms of different. a collaboration partner yeah. or like an investment partner? Or? Uh, any any partnership where you're going to trust another individual that's going to affect your business. That's well, a partner in my book. Well, I don't do partnership deals anymore. I own uh-huh. my company 100%, uh-huh. and I don't think I'll ever do a partnership deal again. Uh-huh. I think that like I will sell 100% of the company and I would stay on for uh-huh. however many years, but I don't ever want to be partners with uh-huh. people. And that was based on your own experience in the past. Yeah, and it's not even because the partners like weren't like good. It was just because I know what works for me and I know what kind of personality I am. Yep. And I just don't want to share my brand with somebody. You know, I find that the best entrepreneurs that I've invested on Shark Tank, the ones that do the best by far over everybody else, are all that type of personality. They know what's good for their brand. They have a strong opinion. And the few that have let, I always call it like letting the fox in the hen house, let somebody who acts as a big shot, knows the territory better, right. has more money, whatever the reasons are. They let them in thinking, whoa, we got a big guy here. Even as a minority share, mm. I have never seen one work out. I think great entrepreneurs don't don't want to be told. And the minute you get involved in any relationship that has a hint of being told, it's never a good thing. Yep. You know? You're so right. Yeah. The one thing that I have struggled with a lot during my whole career with the brand, though, is managing being like the CEO and also being the creative. Well, the it's opposite skill sets. It's so hard. It's mm-hmm. so hard. And sometimes when you're doing both, it's hard to be good at doing both. So it's been. I don't think you can be, honestly. And I think yeah, you're I totally different. But you've never gone out and sought a partner with an opposite skill set to you? Well, no, now I have one. You have one. Yeah, well, now I or have. an employee. It doesn't now, have to be a partner. Oh, employees. Yeah. I've had it. Well, now, oh, the other thing is, like, I I loved having employees, but at the same time, I'm just not good at managing people. Mm-hmm. So now I have, you know, I do licensing deals pretty much, but mm-hmm. but ones that I'm very involved in. Mm-hmm. You know, not just, like, here's my logo and do whatever you want. I mean, I'm yeah. extremely, like, I'm traveling to Seattle to see my licensing partners in a week or two, and I love them. Mm-hmm. They're great, and I'm just very involved in the whole process. Yeah. But they're the ones doing all the Perfect. Everything that Sounds and perfect. that I mean, I used to literally be shipping the boxes. I knew how to go onto UPS and print out the labels and do. I mean, it was really like I've paid my dues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found a great yeah. partner, Esther Kaplan, when I was very young, second year of business, and I knew how to make file cabinets. I knew how to label. I knew how to type. I knew it all, but I didn't like it. Right. And she took over that and all the finances of the business. I couldn't add numbers up, you know. But mm. what I don't think uh, I just think that was probably the most important decision I ever made. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna also yeah. say this about the business mm-hmm. it there was a time where i was like you know what i am tapped out like i have been doing this 24 hours a day every mm-hmm. day for over a decade i have never gotten to pick my daughter up from school mm-hmm. um i never have gotten to make dinner for her because i'm not home until seven like mm-hmm. i am getting rid of my office i'm getting rid of everything i will mm-hmm. streamline the business and not make as much money for a couple years or a year i'll move into a smaller apartment i'm gonna mm-hmm. get rid of my office and i'm gonna spend time with my fucking kid and mm-hmm. me and myself and do some things that i want to do and i had no idea what was going to happen with the business i was like maybe i'll lose it i don't know maybe mm-hmm. it won't work out i have no idea but i have to take this leap of faith i did it and it ended up working out. Oh, you've already done that. I did that in 2017 or 16. Wow. I did that. Yeah. yeah. And you don't feel like you, uh, well, I shouldn't tell you, you tell me, did you lose business as a result of that? I did. I lost revenue. Yeah. But, but how much? Like 20%, half of it? Like what um, kind of beating did you Probably take? like 35. It's substantial. It is substantial. Could represent your whole profit. But the other thing is this though, but I cut down my costs so much and my expenses uh-huh. that it's not like I was really making, taking home that much. Unless people money. report to you. 
less aggravation. Yes, I just I just had everything drop ship. Mm-hmm. I hired freelance designers, so mm-hmm. I got rid of the office, which is a huge expense, obviously, in New York City, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, it worked out, though. Thank God. Mm-hmm. You know, when my son, Tommy, who's my oldest, who's now 28, when I sold my business, I sold it specifically for the exact same purpose you just said. I couldn't see myself as half in, half out. Mm. I figured I had to get all the way out. I worked for somebody, like lip service work for somebody, mm. but I wanted to spend time with my kid. I didn't want to miss the show. I had waited so long to have him until I was 46, and mm. I was missing the whole show. However, I'm going to tell you the irony of that story. When I asked him about his childhood, he says, I had a great childhood, but you were never home. I sold my business so I could be home from the time he was four on up, and his memory of it is that you were never home. I go, how's that possible? I picked you up at school every day. I was there every day. He goes, I don't remember that, Mom, I swear. I think maybe I imprinted him or damaged him so badly in those first three years. So after all that, I got lost revenue, lost joy. I got... And no memory of being a mother, right? No credit, no credit. Oh, my God. Funny how it goes. I'm curious to see what my daughter will say about me when she's seeing a shrink Don't ask her. I would definitely say do not ask her. You want to know, assume you got the benefit of all that. Right. (laughs) Okay, so um, I wanted to ask you about Bethany Frankel. She recommended you to Housewives. Mm -hmm. Was it just you that she was choosing, or was she recommending a list of 50 people? (laughs) So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, We've never met. I never met her. No, we've never met. I don't even think she knew my last name. She She would love you. You're not that different. I'm not sure if she would. Big nicer. She would love you. Okay. She tells it like it is. Just the way you do. You you have to go out of your way to meet her on my side. I've tried. Oh, that bitch. Yeah. Really? She said no? Yeah. I've never said that publicly before, but yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so, you know, I'm grateful, though, that she gave my name, obviously. It's yeah. amazing. So, I, I mean, God, I'm not just taking even meet her and say, I want to thank you for putting me on the list. I, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. I know. She's sleeping at the wheel. Her loss is one of the Well, you know, look, I think also, like, when you've been doing, I can't imagine doing this show for as long as she did and then, like, not doing it anymore. And even though she left and it was her own choice, it's probably, like, I don't know, maybe she misses it a little sometimes, oh, right? To. I it think that, that would be a normal That'd be a normal emotion, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But taking a lesson out of her playbook, you started a new brand. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, look at she's She's amazing what she's done. I mean, it's incredible what she's done, you know? Talk about running up the flagpole, right? Wow. Wow. Yes, and not the the stupid flagpole in in Connecticut. Oh, no. You know what I mean? I hate that flagpole. No, yeah, same. It's the stupidest (laughs) flagpole. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, you know that's inspirational what she's managed to do and um but you know I feel like I'm not really a good salesperson like I don't know like I have like imposter syndrome kind of like and look I talk about the brand on the show but even Dorinda was like what are you doing talk about your brand sell it more I'm like I don't know I just don't feel comfortable like too much you you probably need the words more than the confidence you are a phenomenal salesman you just open your mouth you're selling oh okay I don't think you you, you're selling every word out of your mouth I don't go for that one I'm not buying it but um, but <laughs> I think you need uh, someone to write you a lot of scripts and you rewrite it, rewrite it to just single lines that where you slip it in, slip it in, da 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 da. But can you even do episodes about it? Well, no, I mean, look, yeah. we've covered obviously this season was a little difficult because COVID, yeah. um, but like we 
filmed, you know, my photo shoot for my active wear, which was like really exciting. And, you know, and last year, I mean, I did see like sales like spike the day that like when it's airing, like yes. on Thursdays. Now it's going to be on Tuesdays. It's like. The... But then it repeats and it spikes again. Right. Yes. Yeah. But especially the days that it's airing. It's mm-hmm. like, whoa. Um, but did you feel when you left uh, shooting that scene that you had gotten the branding in there enough sufficiently saying the branding, saying it? And I don't think about putting it. In I don't, stuff? I don't yeah. think about it. I'm just like, you know what, like what I what can I, I'm not going to just be like married to the mob, happy, you know, happy place. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm doing my thing and they're filming and it's like, if it ends up on there, it does. If it doesn't, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Well, mm, mm. So I think you don't approve, right? Do I, I need don't, to? No, okay. especially for a woman who was able to triple her uh, money in the first year. Okay, especially for a woman that speaks her mind about everything, and you're suddenly being the coy little girl. I'm not being, year. but I, I don't know if I'm being coy. I'm just like you know. You feel embarrassed almost. You don't want to be that ridiculous. I, yeah, promoter. I don't want to be cheesy. Yeah. Like I don't want to be, you know. I don't know. Even if you said I'm going to be cheesy here, and put your brand in there, I'm going to be cheesy again and put it. I'm mean, okay. people love gonna, you for that. Okay, I'll think yeah. about that. Well, you think about it. I guess. <laughs> Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of the, well, no, I was wearing my robe a lot. I gave Mm -hmm. the robes out to the women, Mm -hmm. um, you know, from the sleepwear brand. So I got, don't, Barbara, I think you're going to be proud of me when you watch the season. I am so proud of you. It's just, (laughs) mm, mm. I think you just need the words where to slip in. You could get some copyright and reject 90% of them. But if you had your phrases where you slip in opportunities, I think you'd own it. Yeah. Don't you want to sell your brand for the oodles of money that Bethany Frankel is? Nothing shy about her brand. No, that would be great. Yeah. I would not be mad at $100 million. No, no, no. Definitely not. Uh-huh. I think I'm going to get there. Listen, uh-huh. I'm just getting started on the show. Okay, Do you know what I okay, mean? Okay. Like, you got a lot of time. All right, all right. I won't be so pushy. Okay. I would have scenes, uh, nighty scenes every third episode. But let's have a tradition where we all get in our pajamas and pajamas you're not wearing i would just like be manipulating through your agent yes. in the negotiation yeah i know that's actually a good idea like have like x amount like no leah needs like x amount of like advertising so then it becomes the their job to get it in there right i'm sure you'll get anything you want Thank yeah you. then you could delegate it to somebody else to be an animal for you right and mm-hmm. you'll feel like the pretty little girl mm-hmm. i didn't say anything so what would they say about you as a boss um I am, so two of my best friends mm-hmm. are women who have worked for me before. Mm-hmm. So that actually speaks, more than that. I think three. That speaks well. Yes. Your friends. Three very, like three, they're like family to me. Mm-hmm. My uh, one like right hand woman, Lourdes, who I absolutely love. She hasn't worked for me in years and years. We keep in touch all the time. I mean, I'm sure that there's definitely employees who are like Leo's psychotic, whatever. But um, I would think not. But, I would but think not you that tell many it of like them. Yeah, I mean, maybe the ones that were like terrible and I had to fire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in ter- but all the, yeah, I don't know. I think 90% would say that yeah. they love me. You know, I had 20 jobs. I'm not jobs a good boss though. And and you've had many jobs. Don't you think the worst job, the worst bosses are not tough bosses? Well, crazy bosses. I think they're the passive aggressive bosses. Oh, I they're hate nut jobs, and you don't know where you stand, yeah. and you don't feel good about yourself. You don't know why. It's like a a number on your head. You know, I'm like sure you're games. quite the opposite. To that. I definitely am not a. I'm yeah. not passive aggressive. I'm not, not a passive aggressive person. Yeah, yeah, I can't deal with passive aggressive people. It's my pet peeve. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah, me too. So it's an ugly piece of pe- of people. Yeah, it is. Do you get along well with Ebony? You said. 
We do. Uh, and what was the going backwards? Not that you want to. What was uh, what was going on with Ramona? Was that really in, intended to, for the viewers at home to say, "Oh, there's a fight," or were you really not seeing eye to eye? No, that we season? were not seeing eye to eye. Nothing isn't. Nothing. I, is... I can't picture you not getting along with anyone. Well, well, I mean, she re- outed me for being bipolar. She. You would have outed yourself in the next but, episode. But well, no, but that's because she brought it up. You know what I mean? Oh, that's that why she that. brought it up. She, you know, had cameras get shut down because my skirt got lifted up while I was dancing at her fucking party. I mean, you know, she was really hard on me. And mm-hmm. I kept trying to um, make things right. Mm. But it just wasn't working. You know, but we're much better now. Now mm-hmm. we're kind of seeing eye to eye. I think, like, she's met me in the middle a little yeah. bit. Um, well, there's something in strength that gets people to come around your, your corner. You're powerful now. Of course she's going to come around. Come on. She's lucky me. to be included in your club. Come on. Yeah. Maybe that had something to do with her taking her top off and putting on yeah. pasties. I'm not sure. But, um, and me and Ebony get along very well. We talk all the time. Um, and I, I get along with all the women. We really, we're in a very good place. I have to say it, it was, there was, there's a point in the season where I thought to myself, and I think everyone was thinking to themselves, including production, how are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. Like how this, mm-hmm. I, I thought the show was going to end. And what makes you feel so hopeless at those times? I, what's going I mean, on? everyone's going to have to tune in to see, but mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was difficult. There's a lot of, there was just a lot of not seeing eye to eye with people. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the difficulty of life, I think. Right. It is. But, you know, we can't just stop talking to each other <laughs> like you would in reality, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. We had we were forced to face each other and face these differences and talk about them and get through them. And at the end, I'm like I said, I'm very invested now because I feel so close with all these women. Mm-hmm. I believe you. And it's real friendships, real family. Do you family. have a house shrink on the show that we acts need as an one. arbitrator? We need one. We Why don't really... you put in your contract? We, well, maybe my Why mother. Recommend... My I, mother... Know, I, was say, <laughs> I don't know if my mom can deal with all of them. <laughs> Actually, that's a, that's a funny spin on the show, <laughs> <It> right? <is. laughs> really? And my mom's a great therapist, actually. She really is and great. And she's probably very good on camera. You look a she's lot like a, her. Oh, my God. She's amazing on camera. What do we you do. recommend it? It's needed, She's obviously. So good on camera. I get nervous. Like I don't get nervous filming at all, except when I film with my mother. Really? Well, then maybe that's not so good. You probably still want to impress her a little bit on some level or whatever. Maybe. Or maybe you know she's analyzing you. What's wrong with you now? And I know that when I also know that, like, I can't bullshit my mom ever. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. it's just so raw and real when we're together. That sounds I'm like, like good TV to me. It is good TV. Yeah, it might ruin your relationship. But it sounds like good TV. <laughs> right. So my last question. What do you, Leah, think is the real reason why you're so likable? Because likable is the word. Really? Oh, well, what do you mean? Really? I don't know. Name one person other than Ramona who didn't like you ever in your life. Even the people in Connecticut oh, liked you when no. you made fun of I the think, poll. I don't know. No, I got bullied. No, I people. there's a lot of people that don't like me. Trust me, I see the comments um, on Instagram. Oh, no, that's different. <laughs> that's different. That's a, a I public think, forum. I think I just, vent. I don't, I think maybe if I am likable, the reason is because, like, I just don't take myself that seriously, maybe, or, like, I'm a little irreverent. I don't know. Um, and I try to just make humor of, of things, maybe. I think it's because you're real. You are the real housewife. Um, how do you feel about being called a housewife? I mean, you're nothing like a housewife. <laughs> right, you I know. You're in business. Yeah. You run your child. You're on the show. It's fine with me. Two businesses? Yeah. No, it's... You it's, don't care? Yeah. Okay. It's great. Right. I think 
Listen, I think the Housewife franchise is an amazing feminist platform because mm-hmm. where else could you be? First of all, um, we're aged out after fucking 25. Where else can you become famous, successful, um, have all these opportunities, be loved when you are past your prime? I'm putting that in quotes. The Housewives. I think it's a totally like a feminist platform and a feminist franchise. People can say whatever they want about it, but I look at it like that. Well, you just changed my mind and a lot of other people, I'm sure. Good for you. (laughs) Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.